Chapter 15 of The Dawn of Medieval Europe, 476 to 918 by J. H. B. Masterman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Charles the Great and the Lombard Kingdom. The accession of Charles, eldest son of Pippin, brings on the scene the central figure of the period covered by this volume for the period might not inaccurately be described as the period of the rise and fall of frankish supremacy in europe from the first appearance of clovis as king at tournay in four eighty one to the death of conrad of franconia in nine eighteen it is the history of the franks that forms the central thread in the tangle of european affairs and it was in the person of charles the great that the Frankish people made its special contribution to the life and thought of the Middle Ages. In him, the free Teutonic spirit submitted itself to the conception of ordered rule that was the inheritance of the Roman Empire, and both passed under the consecration of a religious sanction that turned the war leader of a Teutonic tribe into the crusader and champion of the Christian cause. Charles, as he appears in the Chronicles of the Time, is almost an ideal teutonic king of enormous physical strength resolute will and untiring energy he was a born leader of men except when moved by strong passion he was just and clement in his dealings with his enemies even his saxon antagonists bear testimony to his bravery and good faith though his policy embraced the whole western empire he remained an austrasian at heart and retained the language and costume of his native country and against the background of that rough and turbulent age he stands out as something not far short of the ideal of a christian king not free from the limitations of his own age an age that had learnt only too well from its moslem foes how to propagate the faith with the sword but keeping before him the true ideal of a christian society bound in the bond of brotherhood by common obedience to the christian law on the death of pippin the usual division of inheritance followed all the northern and more purely teutonic part of the frankish kingdom fell to charles as the eldest son the southern lands burgundy provence schwabia passed to his other son carloman a youth about ten years younger but for some reason that is not very clear the two sons of pippin did not succeed in cooperating with the same harmony as had marked the joint rule of their father and uncle an opportunity for the display of this ill-feeling was afforded soon after their accession by a revolt in aquitaine led by hunold who after twenty years of monastic life returned to the world to avenge the death of his son Waffre. charles marched into aquitaine but carloman declined to help and left his brother to cope with the rebellion alone fortunately it did not prove a very difficult task hunold was defeated and surrendered to charles who sent him to rome to be dealt with by the pope for breach of his monastic vows after a short residence in a roman monastery he escaped to pavia where he was stoned to death Meanwhile, Charles, having built a fortress at Fronsac to overawe the Aquitanians, returned in triumph to Francia. 
the next few years were occupied by charles in forging alliances with neighbouring states with a view to a possible conflict with carloman tassilo of bavaria charles's cousin had been a rebel against pippin's authority but charles overlooked this and entered into friendly relations with him several things made the friendship of the bavarian duke important bavaria lay between the frankish territories of the north and the passes of the alps beyond which lay the italy towards which charles's eyes may already have turned in another way tassilo linked francia and italy for he had married a daughter of desiderius king of the lombards and through him charles entered into a friendly understanding with the lombard king this understanding ripened into a proposal for a twofold marriage alliance between the two houses charles espousing desiderius's daughter desiderata and his sister gisela marrying desiderius's son adelchis even before queen bertha reached the roman court to announce these marriage arrangements to the new pope stephen the second he had sent an angry letter to the two frankish kings denouncing the proposed marriage between the ruler of francia and the leprous brood of the lombards but in spite of papal opposition the marriage took place and shortly after the pope was himself obliged to appeal for the help of desiderius in putting down a conspiracy at rome the details of which are rather obscure but the marriage of charles and desiderata was destined to the same unhappy ending as that of henry the eighth and catherine of aragon seven hundred years later desiderata was delicate and bore no children to her husband and a beautiful schwabian girl hildegard played the part of anne boleyn so charles repudiated his wife in spite of his mother bertha's protests and desiderata returned to her father at pavia soon after this the short-lived friendship between the lombard king and the pope came to an end desiderius felt the toils closing around him when the death of carloman threw into his hands a valuable hostage gerberga carloman's widow believing or affecting to believe that her two little sons were in danger fled with them to the lombard court where desiderius gave them welcome just at this stage pope stephen died and was succeeded by hadrian a stronger and perhaps abler leader who threw himself wholly into the policy of alliance with the franks and hostility to the lombards from that moment the doom of the lombard kingdom was certain the special purpose of desiderius was to sow dissension between charles and the pope by inducing hadrian to crown the two little sons of carloman in this he was supported by a lombard party among the papal advisers and when the pope discovered a treasonable correspondence going on between his chamberlain afiarta and desiderius and had his officer arrested and executed the lombard king set out for rome where he might have succeeded in deposing the pope and setting up a rival in his own interest but under threat of excommunication he hesitated at the frontier and finally turned back meanwhile hadrian sent in hot haste to charles appealing to him for help charles appears to have tried to avoid a final breach with the lombard king and sent commissioners to investigate the causes of quarrel between hadrian and desiderius 
but when desiderius refused all recognition of the claims of the pope to the cities that he had seized in the exarchate charles found himself obliged to act he gathered a great host at geneva and sent half under the command of his uncle bernhard through the st gorod pass while he led the other half through the mount Ceni, at the end of which he found the lombards under the king's son adelchis posted in a strong position from which they were only dislodged after some stiff fighting then after taking one by one the other cities of lombardy charles gathered all his forces round the capital city of pavia where desiderius with the remains of his army had taken refuge adelchis fled to constantinople where he became a useful pawn in the game that the eastern court found it convenient to play in june seven seventy four pavia fell and with its fall the lombards as a nation vanish from history the two little sons of carloman disappeared from the scene and desiderius and his wife ended their days in separate religious houses in francia while charles now adopted the title of rex francorum et langobardorum it is impossible not to feel some regret at the disappearance of the last of those rulers of northern italy who might under happier circumstances have vindicated their right to the title of king of italy the lombards had come to italy an uncouth but virile race under the genial influence of italian skies they had lost much of their uncouthness and also not a little of their virility a hardier northern race broke their power at last and they were slowly merged and lost in the italian peoples among whom they made their home on the ruins of the lombard kingdom rose the two great powers that were destined to make the history of western europe for five hundred years the empire and the papacy before the fall of pavia at easter seven seventy four charles paid his first visit to rome it was the first time that a frankish king had visited the sacred city and every effort was made to do honour to his coming when he met the long procession of the roman clergy coming out with banners and songs to greet him he dismounted from his horse and so passed into the city there hadrian met him and ratified the holy league that united the papal destinies with those of the northern kingdom for seven days charles stayed in rome viewing the wonders of the city and falling under the spell of the ordered splendour of the church life that he saw around him one event of this visit has become the centre of great controversy let us hear the chronicler in the liber pontificalis on the fourth day of the week the pope with his officers went forth to the church of st peter and there meeting the king in conference earnestly entreated him and exhorted him with paternal affection that he would fulfil completely the promise that his father pippin of blessed memory had made and that he himself with his brother carloman and all the nobles of the franks had confirmed to st peter and his vicar pope stephen the second when he had visited francia that they would grant various cities and territories in that province of italy to st peter and his vicar for a perpetual possession and when the king had caused the promise that had been made in a place called carisiacum to be read over to him all its contents were approved by himself and his nobles and of his own accord with good and willing mind the most excellent and christian king caused another deed of gift to be drawn up like the first 
by Atherius, his chaplain and notary, and in this he granted the same cities and territories to St. Peter, and promised that they should be conveyed to the Pope, with their boundaries set forth as contained in the aforesaid donation, namely, from Luna, with the island of Corsica, thence to Surianum, thence to Mons Bardonis, thence to Parma, thence to Regium, and from thence to Mantua and Monselicis, and also the whole exarchate of Ravenna, such as it was in old time, and the provinces of Venetia and Istria, and also the duchies of Spoleto and Beneventum. Many theories have been advanced as to the meaning of this passage, which seems to imply that Charles handed over to the Pope practically all Italy, except part of the old Lombard kingdom of the north, and apparently Calabria. Did he mean that whatever rights the emperor still retained in Italy, he now proposed to transfer to the Pope? That is perhaps the most reasonable explanation of the grant, if the account can be relied upon, but some are disposed to suspect the hand of the interpolator of a later time, supplying material on which the popes of after ages might base claims unforeseen in the days when the Frankish king and the Roman pontiff met. One thing at least is clear. Charles never acted as though he had conferred on the Pope a position of independent sovereignty. Whatever had been the relation of the Popes to the Byzantine emperors at an earlier time, that he regarded as their relation to himself. They had merely transferred their allegiance to a new overlord, better able to help, but also better able to control. End of chapter 15